G'day and welcome to another episode of the Luke's Lowdown podcast. Today's guest, well, I'm going to read out just a couple of accolades and I'm going to see how long it can take before you can guess who it is. He has mountain biked to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, ran 235 miles across Greece, done extreme triathlons all over the world and competed in the x World Championships in Norway. He's also done an adventure race through the middle of the Fijian jungle. That's right. So that resume sounds pretty cool, right? He's also done 30, 30 iron distance triathlons in a year. And that's right. He's also done 50 iron distance triathlons in 50 days in 50 states across the US and recently completed not 100, but 101, which I'm definitely going to talk about because I laughed when I saw this. 101 Iron Distance Triathlons. If you don't know who I'm talking about, then hold on to your hats because you are going to get your mind blown. We have James Lawrence on the line, aka the Iron Cowboy. G'day, James. How are you, buddy? Good, Luke, man. It's so good to be on here. You know, we, you and I have some history, so it's been fun to, to do some adventuring with you and to to kind of mirror our our uh, our adventures and uh, our craziness alongside each other. Yeah, it's it's been cool. We we hooked up for the first time up in the north of Scotland um, for one of the uh, X Tri races up there, the Keltman. So yeah, we we got to run some miles in Scottish weather. Let's say so. It's, yes. it's, <laughs> it's been fun and, and today we're going to dive into a few more bits and pieces of what you've done so you're over in utah and uh how's the training going yeah training is not going um so you know it's, it's interesting and we'll, we'll dive into it but the the hundred was you know we called the conquer 100 project and it was um man it, it was it was intense it was insane it was debilitating it was liberating it was it was all these things um when you when you cover, you know, fourteen thousand plus miles, no days off. Um, that's a quarter of a year of of intensity. Um, it, it's it's hard to come. It's hard to come off of that one mentally, but two, the recovery is is pretty insane. And and I actually went into the project a little bit injured. And um, as of the recording of this podcast tomorrow I go down for some surgery um I went into I went into the Conk 100 with an ankle problem and that's what caused the ripple effect and the chain reaction of injuries up into my shin and then my hip and then um you know we, we crashed on day 59 I broke my back um and so there was just so, so many things that went on and I tried to get back into training I've been doing a lot of cycling um but I tried to start up running again because I'm doing Challenge Roth in July and uh, just instant pain uh, when I started to to reintroduce run into it. And it was the exact pain I felt um, in training leading up to the Conquer 100 and then what caused all the problems. And so tomorrow I go get it sliced open and then they're going to actually, I have too much mobility. And so they're going to um, slice it, overlay it, stitch it back up, and then I'll work on getting some flexibility back because they're going to like over tighten it, right? Yeah. And so um, training is at a minimum right now only because um, I've been doing a lot of cycling because I'm also doing RAM this uh, June, which is Race Across America. 
And so my main focus is going to have to be um, on the bike. I'll be in a cast for two weeks and then I'm in a boot for six to eight weeks. Um, but as soon as that boots on and the cast is off, I'm going to be on my bike, on my trainer, um, just, just main, maintaining that. And then if you followed my career at all, um, you know that I'm heavy on strength training. And so I'll be doing um, a, a lot of upper body strength training and just staying in shape while I'm in that cast and kind of mobilized. That was a long answer, but that's, that's where it's at. No, but it makes sense. It makes sense. I, I didn't know you were having surgery. As, as I mentioned before, I've been away for a little while and uh, I've had a bit of a, not a digital detox because I, I don't really need one, but I had some time off social media and stuff. So uh, yeah, well, good luck for the surgery tomorrow. Hopefully it all goes well and uh, looking forward to your recovery. Yeah, yeah, we get, we're going to, we're going to document the whole thing. And so um, it, it should, it should be, should be good. We'll, we'll, we'll get creative with our training. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I always like to, to start with a bit of a off the wall question in, in a random oh. different kind of way. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, so always full of surprises. I try to be, I try to be <laughs> in the endurance world. We hear this all the time that when someone on the outside sees an athlete doing something extreme or consistently doing things extreme that they're, that they must be running away from something. Right. We, we hear this all the time. Um, I've, I've been on both sides of the coin. Definitely my endurance sports career was running away from something. It was that loss of identity as I wasn't a soccer player anymore, but I came to a point where I stopped running and I did a lot of self-work and growth work and, and I don't run away from anything now. And I know that this question has been posed to you probably so many times you don't even hear it anymore. But, and you're laughing, so I, I know that's true. But here's the question metaphorically like i know you're not running away from anything because i've spent time with you james lawrence the person i haven't been with you when the iron cowboy which we're going to talk about in a second has switched on because the race in scotland was tough but it wasn't quite tough enough to bring out your alter ego so metaphorically what are you running towards without yeah. putting uh, words in your mouth when you do these big challenges yeah, great question. And it, it's crazy that that is the assumption. Um, but it's, you know, I think it's it's because a lot of people um, do turn to endurance racing and challenges because it's so effective. Um, a lot of people are struggling mentally. They're struggling with addiction. And this is probably a better addiction transfer than wherever they were coming from. And you know, because getting outside and moving our bodies is so healthy for the mind, um, I, I can I can see why people make that transition. Um, and it, it, it's just bad wording when people say, "Hey, what are you running from?" And and it should be more looked at like, "Hey, I'm I'm grateful you have found a coping mechanism that is that is blessing your life mentally and physically." And so so it's just a big it's a misconception that anybody that does these types of thing is transferring addiction or running away from some type of uh, medieval trauma that we went through um, generational things. Um, Cause I, I believe, I believe big in generational lines and trauma and adapting um, or, or, or taking on uh, baggage from generations that when we weren't, when we weren't even here and it's, it's passed on. And um that's a whole hell another conversation. Um, but but you're right, I'm not running away from anything. And, and if I could could phrase it in a way, it's it's I'm running towards adventure and potential. Um, because 
you know, when anytime we've done any of these big campaigns, um, when you when you're in the middle of it, it's it seems impossible. And it, because it's the hardest thing you've ever done, right? Because you should be pushing the envelope, you should be trying to reach um, a limit physically, mentally, spiritually. And, and if you're truly pushing those boundaries, you're, you're trying, you're trying to find new potential. And, and like I said, when you're in the middle of it, it seems impossible. And when, when you choose, when, when we as individuals and athletes choose to push through, face adversity, solve the problems, continue on, and we reach that proverbial mountaintop, all of a sudden, a new mountaintop or new mountain comes into view that we couldn't see before. And so I'm continually pushing towards bringing a new mountain into view. Yeah, and I, and I think I think those mountain ranges are limitless because we haven't reached the human capacity or potential. And when you learn how to control your mind, your body, um, you, you truly can do anything. The question that needs to be asked is, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to achieve said goal? Right? Because if somebody said, "Hey," uh, James, you know, here's, here's 5 million bucks. I want you to go do 200 Ironmans, right? Uh, I believe I could do it, but I'm not willing to sacrifice the time and, and everything else in that ecosystem that goes with accomplishing that. But I do believe that I have the knowledge and experience in my head to go do anything I wanted, which is what I'm doing is I'm running towards potential. And I'm, I'm currently satisfied where I am right now. <laughs> That's fair. Let's, Let's water that down, um, not for, not just so more people can sort of get their heads around it because, you know, like doing 200 iron distance triathlons, maybe a lot of people can't get their heads around that. So, but, but what the whole concept of we don't know what we're capable of. There are so many people out there that maybe haven't ran since they were at school or maybe, you know, just do 5Ks, which is amazing, which is great, right? But at the same time, it's like I could never do a, a, a marathon. But let's say we said to them, you have nine months to train and you have a coach and you're willing to dedicate six hours a week for nine months, right? So you're not necessarily sacrificing, but you're consciously making a decision to focus on that goal. Now, how many people do you think could then accomplish running a marathon if they had nine months, six hours a week? and say a little bit of guidance and they were dedicated to achieving that, right? Well, how many people could finish it? Well, just like how many people then could say, who would say initially, I couldn't do it. How many of those people would turn around and then you know, be able to achieve that? Well, I, I would hope that the number is 100%. <laughs> exactly. Because if, you give, because if you give someone uh, the framework in order to do it, if you give someone the support in order to do it, and they actually commit to doing the work to do it, then the numbers should be 100%. But, but I, still don't know, I still don't think it's 100% that are willing to do the work. Because if I've discovered anything on my journey is, is you know, I coach athletes around the world and, and people will come to me and say, oh, okay, you've inspired me. I'm motivated. I'm, I'm getting up off the couch and this is what I want to do. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's work on that. Let's build up a time frame and let's figure out the game plan in order to do it. And nine times out of 10, we figure out the actual realistic game plan that it would take. And they're like, you know what? I'm good. I'm, I don't want to do that anymore because they, they now realize there's actual work behind accomplishment and, 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 and that, and that scares them. And, and there's just an unwillingness to do it. And that's why, that's why there's so few people that really 
find um, the ultimate success in their life, pure joy, pure success, all of it, because that takes work and sacrifice and they're not willing to do it. But the roadmaps are out there. The, 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 the guidance is out there. The support is out there. The networks are out there. It's the, it's the person's willingness to sacrifice something and do the work in order to do that marathon. But everybody is fully capable. 100%, 100%. So if someone's listening today, right, this, right now, and what is one thing that they could do on a daily basis to be consistent to build mental toughness? Yeah, great question. Um, I, think, I think the biggest mistake people do is they try to do too much too quick. And they, 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 go from, they go from unhealthy to vegan. And they try to, they try to, they try to do that in one go. And you just, you just can't do it. And, and what people don't realize is like, if you see the headline Conquer 100, Iron Cowboy, 100 consecutive, 14,000 consecutive miles, that's a headline. But what you don't see is the, the picture of me in my very first sprint triathlon, gripping to the side of the pool, gasping for air, and the decade between those two images. Uh, that, 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 that is where, that's what people don't realize is my journey started very humbly. It started at the very beginning. I struggled through a four mile fun run. And, and it, it, it just comes from being consistent. So my, my advice to you and to answer your question is the one thing that someone can do to be consistent is to pick a very easy, manageable task to start creating momentum and to start creating wins. One of the most brilliant analogies I ever heard was from a, a book called um, Atomic Habits by James Clare. I don't know if you've read it or not. Uh, I think it's a staple book that everybody should have to read in their lifetime. And, and the best example of this was this guy you know, everybody in New Year's, they're like, okay, I'm going to become more fit. I want to become more healthy. And they go, you know what? I haven't been to the gym in five years, but my new goal is six days a week, two hours a day, and I'm going to dominate this thing. And if you remember the part in the book, he tells a story about an individual and he said, okay, your goal is to go to the gym for those six days. But after five minutes, you have to leave. You got to, you got to check out, you got to go home. And he's like, I'm not going to accomplish anything by going to the gym by five for five minutes. And what happens is, is it's not about the physical change. It's about the mental change that's taking place. And all of a sudden, now you can say the words, I am a gym goer. And now you start to associate yourself with a gym goer. And now you're not lying. And you actually are a gym goer. It doesn't matter how long you went. And then you start to increase that time. And so long answer to your easy question, you, you pick one manageable thing and you start to create wins because if you can associate yourself with winning, then mentally and psychology wise, that, that is so so much greater than, ah, man, I set the goal to go six times this week for two hours and I only did it twice. Even though that twice is longer than the five minutes you went for the six times, it's far more beneficial to your psychology and your mental status or status than it is to now you're a failure. I only went twice and the goal was six. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, and I see this all the time and it's a case of like, you know, it's creating what you want to achieve into your routine. It's not about how long, but it's about showing up every day, showing up every other day, whatever your goal is, but it's not about how long you do it or how fast or anything like that. But if, if you can just turn up and do, you know, 
10 minutes of training a day, whether that's swimming, cycling, running, or in the gym, mobility, stretching, whatever. But if you show up and you set yourself a cue, not to take any words out of the book, but you set yourself a cue that then triggers that stimulus to then take action. And you do that every day, but it's more about being consistent and showing up every day. And one of the things that I, I hear you say, and, and we talked about this when we were in Scotland many years ago, it's, and I will, I will totally mess it up and you, and you can get it right for me, but it's being perfect in, in, in for one second. And I think it's, people will take that literally, but if you just take the concept of that, I think that's really powerful. Where, where did you, where did that penny drop, so to speak, in your head to always try and be perfect for that one second? Yeah, so that, that stepped all the way back to when we were doing the 50, uh, the 50 Ironman through 50 states, uh, one every day. Um, it, it was on it was on day 30. I kind of had that that moment where you're like, okay, I'm I'm not quitting, but I've reached a, a, a peak of frustration, of of uh, hurt, of um, I and, and I need a moment. And and it's it's at it's at a moment like that when you're like, man, I I can't I can't conceptualize doing 20 more in a row at this point. And and then you just have to really reverse engineer things to the point where it's like, oh, I just have to turn the pedals over one time, right? And if it's one time a second, you know, if your cadence is whatnot, th then that's kind of where the concept hit me. I was like, oh, all I have to do is do that. Because when, when we're overwhelmed and we're filled with anxiety and depression and all these things, the simplest of tasks can be overwhelming and seemingly crushing, right? And so it's like any fear, any big goal, any anything, if you reverse engineer it to the one manageable task, that's another great book. Um, it's called The One Thing. Um, and and it's, it's about just narrowing it all the way down to just the one thing that'll move the needle. And for me in that moment, it was getting on my bike. And the only thing that's going to move the needle is a single pedal stroke. And that's where I had that paradigm shift. And as soon as I had that shift on the 50, the last 20 were actually averaged faster than the first 30. And, and you would say physiologically wise, that would be the exact opposite and you would continue to fade. But once I had that mindset shift and that's when, that's when truly the iron cowboy was born. That was the rebirth because it was this new mindset of like, no, I can control the moment that's right in front of me. I love the word. Um, and I've talked about this before, but it's catastrophism. And, and this is, this is a very powerful concept. And this is what, this is the trap that most people fall into and why it leads to failure is because in our minds, one, as humans, we are hardest on ourselves. And for some reason, we're our toughest critic. And so we need to, we need to figure out how to get over and around that. But the reality is, is um, we're, we're busy, one, looking at people's best lives and comparing ourselves to them. And then in our own journey, we look ahead to a mythical moment that hasn't happened yet. And it's always the worst case scenario. And for some reason, as humans, we do this. And, and the goal in life is to, to immediately stomp that into the ground and, and reverse engineer it all the way back to right where we are right now. And, and I learned this lesson at a really high level in um, when we were doing the uh, world's toughest race in Fiji. And the, the Fijian team, they were, they were given two because they were the host country, they were given two um, teams that were allowed to participate. And they had terrible equipment. They had no coaching. They had no training camps. And um, without ruining the show, it's 10 episodes on Amazon Prime, but the, the Fijian teams finished. 
And before the race started, the producers, the film people, every other team, they were like, yep, zero chance Fiji finishes, zero chance. And they finished for two reasons. One, um, they grew up with grit and toughness as a necessity, right? We live, certain countries have certain um, levels of comfort that has stopped our progress as men and women to be mentally and physically tough. Well, in Fiji, it's out of necessity for life to be gritty and toughness. So they just have that understanding. And the other thing that was amazing to watch them is they, they, they weren't trying to rush their way through the process. They weren't looking at two checkpoints from now and whatever that hill climb was, whatever that waterfall uh, ascent is, whatever paddle is coming up. They were right there in that moment, just chipping away at the task as happy as can be too, mind you. Happy as can be doing the task, grinding away, and they were just right there. And other teams were, were panicking and, and looking into the future in a, in, an, in, in a situation that they could not control because they just had little bits of information. And they started to conjure up this worst case scenario and it would cripple them because they were like, if this is how I feel now, it's going to be impossible when I get there. And then they just start to spiral. And so, so it was just really, really fun to watch those, the Fijian teams operate because one, they were super present. They were super happy and they beat every other team that quit. I say all the time that there's the, the only way to guarantee your failure is to stop showing up. And these, these Fijian teams, they just kept showing up. The first team to quit were us uh, CrossFit teams, bunch of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> well we, we we could go down that route for a long time but we won't um i i want to touch on the point um so something that i've spoken about with a lot of my clients um over the years is yeah to get them to stop catastrophizing situations they're in S same concept that you talk about and i get people to to visualize standing on top of a mountain that's uh that's got snow coming down you know you had was a foot of snow last night in utah so you know, relevant to you, standing on top of a mountain and it's snowing and a lot of people will go, well, if it snows and something happens and there's like a lot of snow comes off the mountain, then it could be an avalanche. And at the bottom, the avalanche is going super fast. But in reality, sometimes all it takes for that avalanche, avalanche to kick off is one flake of snow. But if you stop and think about if one flake of snow can cause that much damage, what if we just focus on this one flake of snow and take care of that so it doesn't actually hit the rest of the snow and cause that avalanche? So catastrophizing is thinking about the avalanche that's going to cause havoc on the village or the town or you down at the bottom of the mountain. But why don't we stay on top of the mountain and go, okay, it's snowing. What is the best way to get down the mountain? Focusing on those one... Um, negative things or one thing one problem that that's happened to us at a time rather than focusing about when all of these things add up what it's going to be like at the end so that's sort of a, a visualization story that uh, that i shared with my clients and i'm going to segue into these snowflakes being problems that happen right uh, i've i've spoken to a lot of people who have mentioned you in conversations and I uh, said, oh, do you know James? I was like, you know, I spent a bit of time with him. Yeah, he's a good guy, all the rest of it. And a lot of people have asked me like, well, like how, how tough is he? How fit is he? Like, you know, tell me a bit about him. And this is 99% this is of the time, my answer. So what James is very good at is solving problems. Because during these big challenges, 
it is about dealing with the unexpected and dealing with the expected problems, but knowing you've got solutions. So with that in mind, you had several problems come up during the Conquer 100. But my question is, before the Conquer 100, when no doubt you, you had this conversation with your crew um, and the people that were going to be coming in and out, as well as the core crew, what's the conversation like with them about solving problems? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We got, I got totally and absolutely lucky with Casey and Aaron. Um, I, I didn't know them prior to the 50 and they, they're, the, they're the wingman in our story. Um, and they, they are the just completely selfless dudes that are just up for adventure and, and they want to see everybody win. And, um, you know, in, initially I, I didn't know these guys really well. And I got really lucky with, with putting this team together. And, and when you are putting a team together, you want to, you want to, <laughs> everybody's great when they're great. Everybody's great when they're not fatigued and tired. It's, are you great when you're exhausted, broken and, and uncomfortable. And, and we've, we found out early on that these boys were great um, when, when, when they're tired. And, and that's, that's the kind of people you want to put on your team. And, and the conversation just, it was easy for us because we 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 fully bought into the mentality of we we are master problem solvers. We are not looking for reasons or excuses to quit because a lot of people do. They look for a reason to validate them not finishing or doing what they were doing, and then they 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 try to run that narrative. Um, and for us, it was always a matter of okay, um, people may not uh, agree or. Um, love the narrative but but that's that's what it's going to take in order to to accomplish this and and he, here's here's what 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 people need to do and what we do as a team prior to going into anything is you have to write out what's called an ethos and an ethos is simply like a business mission statement or what you stand for your belief system because and as as you know very well when when you get deep into these campaigns they become highly emotional they become volatile they become unpredictable you cannot plan for the things that are going to happen especially especially when it comes to how your body's feeling and how you know what which james and which luke is showing up on xyz day and then you have to learn how to navigate that individual because you can have a perfect training camp and what but whoever shows up on that day is who you're dealing with um and so you, you what people don't do because life is so busy, chaotic with so many shiny lights and distractions is we're not sitting down dissecting um, who we are, what we stand for, what our belief system is, and that that's our ethos. And, and just a few lines in my ethos would be, um, I finish what I start, right? And, and I, I sit down and I talk about this ethos with my team and they know exactly that's one of my core values and principles. Um, one of those, we, we do everything with honesty and integrity. Um, one of is I, I try to set the best example I know how for my kids. And so there's statements that anchor me. And when, when you are in that moment of complete, excuse me, of complete vulnerability, of complete emotional chaos, um, it has to be written out black and white what your code is and, and what you stand for. And, and the best example I can think of right now is, is during the Conquer 100, we had a lot of things happen. Um, 
obviously it was a big career dice roll for us to do the Conquer 100. We had to make it through 50 successfully with no drama, no nothing to reset my history. Um, that was my biggest goal, my biggest concern. And then after that, it was just bonus hour. And um, we got to wake up every day after day 50 and be like, hey, team, you want to break a world record today? Um, and that, that's, a, that's always a really cool, fun space to be in. Um, but on day 59, I was in a kind of a catastrophic accident on the bike. And we found out later, I actually broke my L5 vertebrae, broke my back in that accident. Um, but Aaron knows my ethos and, and he can't, I was coming back to consciousness in the middle of the road. And Aaron says, Hey, you know, uh, and you know, Aaron, he's super gentle and super soft, but he, but he's the, he's, he's the core, uh, one of the core guys on our team. And he ended up doing all hundred bike rides with us. And he was running, he was controlling that environment. He was my protector out there. Um, and there's going to be a very emotional part in the documentary where Aaron is in tears and he's like, it was after the crash and he was like, that should have been me. And, and, and total sidebar, that's the kind of guy you want on your team that like that wants to care for you, protect you in such a deep way um, that his perception of that moment was that should have been me that was hit. Um, and that obviously is not the case. It was, it should have, it should have been me because it was me and that's not his responsibility. But in that moment, as I'm coming back to consciousness, Aaron asks me a couple of quick questions. Hey, are you, have we finished what we started? And I was like, no. And he's like, hey, are, are you setting the best example you know how for your kids? And I said, no. And he's like, if you get back on your bike right now, is it going to kill you? No. And so I popped up and got back on my bike and figured out a way to keep moving. But without having pre-thought or taken the time and initiative to really contemplate what your core values are, where that line is that you will and won't cross, and I, and I think everybody's rushing so quick to have this experience and do this one thing and get to the next and this accomplishment, that accomplishment, accolade, who cares? Figure out, because you have to figure it out because if you don't take that time, you're going to get into that moment where you get destroyed on the bike. You've been knocked unconscious. You've just broken your back. You're laying in the middle of the road. And your first choice is going to be to throw your hands up in the air and say, I'm done. Yeah, I think that's there's so many takeaways from that but i think one of the things is 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 having such a strong team around you and having those conversations prior to to the event and like i think that's really important and, and as we said we, we can dial it back to just even people who are with you at the start line of your 10k your half marathon your marathon and it's the people who are talking to you before you start and although not everyone has a wingman has an aaron you know, picking you up off the floor to to read your 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 ethos to you, but it could be as simple as you know putting a bit of tape around your wrist and writing something on your wrist. Like there are no excuses for you to not have instant understanding of what you stand for when you're doing these races when it gets tough. So I think people can create their own version of having their own wingman by being a little bit creative to make sure that a they've done the work prior to understand their ethos and b to have it available to them in the moments when they know it's going to get really tough. Yeah. And, and tr trust me, early in my career, when I was figuring all of this out, I didn't have the women. It, it was, it was just me. And th there's a, there's a lot, and you know, this, there's a lot of lonely steps and, and, and that's, and that's why it's important to have that ethos to, to have put in the thought to, to have those conversations with yourself, because th there's, there's not always going to be, a wingman around 
to to have that conversation with you. And that's why you got to pull it out of your pocket and start to read. Um, what, what, do, what do I stand for? Because you, you can't make a good decision in that moment because it will be filled with emotion. It will be filled with everything else that's surrounding that moment. And so you have to this, this is a skill set that everybody needs to learn how to do because like we just said, the wingman's not always going to be available. What you have to do is you have to have the skill set to, to pause, remove emotion, and dissect the situation for what it is unemotionally. Um, and and, and it re really, if, if it's in a scenario where you have time, obviously there's emergencies where it's like chaos and right now, but if you have time, you have to take a step back, remove emotion, quickly align the pros and cons read your statement. What do I stand for? What's my grounding? Where's my anchor? Then make a decision, right? That, and, and I think if everybody could develop that skill set, you'd be so much closer to achieving whatever level of greatness you're trying to hit. Yeah, it's that combination of understanding that, that we make decisions um, based off emotions and logic. And most decisions have a little bit of both, but it's about not always making logical decisions and not always making decisions from an emotional standpoint. But one of the things that, that I like to think about is, can we take a step back? And as you said, like pause and then be conscious when we are making those decisions. Um, how, if you're going to share from your experience and maybe you have a process for this, what's a way that people can, can try and implement that into say their training or even when they do races to try and be able to create that, that space in their head to make those better decisions when things get tough? Yeah, great question, because the, the time to uh, master this skill set is not the moment when it gets really tough. <laughs> that's, that's not the first time when you should be like, oh, you know what, I should really try to, try to uh, be more mentally tough right now. <laughs> um, because I'll use the pandemic as an example. You take a look around, and it was, it was a very similar situation for the, the the world especially it was similar for all americans and it was similar for all people in the uk because you're in that that environment so so you could take a look around in your circle and you could go wow they're handling this in a very unique way they may or may not have had any prior experience with chaos with doing really hard things with and so i could look around you know utah my city my area because we were all experiencing it the same way and you could really see holy cow, that person has never put themselves in a situation outside of like extreme comfort to where they know how to manage this. And so to answer the question, it would be really start early on in your journey, trying to endure difficult things. Try to take the path of least resistance more often than not, only with the sole purpose of gaining knowledge and experience. Because when a situation like the pandemic happens that we cannot control, that we did not ask for, we are now in a position where we're like, oh, I know how to handle this because I've been doing this for 10 years. I haven't been doing the pandemic for 10 years, but I've been intentionally dealing with chaos and experiencing things for a very long time. And I, I, I do a lot of speaking around the world like you do, and um, I always start with the same story. Um, and it's the story of me sitting on a Ferris wheel for 10 days as an early 20 something. Um, and, and it was, it was, it was one of the first moments where I realized, ah, I do have control over my mind. And, and I was young and I didn't realize it, but I grew up a wrestler and the decisions that I made to stay wrestling and to, to overcome and try to become better. And, uh, that sport really crafted my mind. 
and and I didn't realize at the time because you're young, you're growing, and and I didn't have great mentors around me. But as a byproduct of of doing a very hard sport, um, I learned mental toughness. I didn't intentionally seek it, but it was out of necessity. Did not get my ass kicked on a regular basis. Um, but looking back on it, saying, okay, now had I chosen to do that, that intentionally, or somebody could choose to do something like that intentionally it will prepare you for a later moment in life that you didn't ask for and is uncomfortable and what, and now you've prepped yourself. So again, my long-winded answers, but the answer is do a lot of little things consistently over a long period of time to prepare yourself for the moment. And it doesn't have to be big. I tell people all the time, you cannot go from zero to a hundred. It's impossible. You will fail every single time. There are uh, stepping stones, there's milestones, there's landmarks, there's finish lines that you have to achieve and accomplish to gain the, the, the success, the momentum, the confidence. Success breeds success, confidence breeds confidence. You have to start small and flex that muscle. It's like if you're going to go, uh, hey, look, I'm a skinny little turd. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get strong. And you try to bench 300 pounds on your first rep you're going to crush your chest and you're never going to go back to the gym again. Like you're done. What you should do is you should get a, a, a stretchy bands and start warming up those muscles and getting them ready to now start to load weight. And maybe two, three, four years, five years down the road, you're going to slam 300 pounds on that bar and you're going to hoist it off your chest in, in a triumphant fashion. But it starts with those stretchy bands warming up before you can put 300 pounds on the bar. 100%. And you know, as, as you mentioned earlier, it's about doing those difficult things. And, and one of the things that I think people miss is it's not just about going to do hard things or put, you in, put yourself in a situation where hard things could happen. It's actually consciously choosing to do difficult things, not because we're sadists or anything like that and we like to, to hurt ourselves, but yeah, you, are, you are very similar to me in this way. It's, it's an opportunity to grow as an individual. It's opportunity yes. to sharpen the tool, sharpen the sword, phrase it however you want. It's the same concept, but it's an opportunity to be better. And if you are, you know, to talk about your, your uh, well, your example, not analogy, your example of the pandemic, if you're con consciously choosing to do difficult things on a daily basis, and we're not just talking about physical things here, right? It could be anything where you actually consciously have to say, you know, this is going to be tough to do, but I'm going to get up and go and do this. You do that on a daily basis. You put that into your daily routine. And then all of a sudden, you become more mentally stronger without even knowing it, just like, as you said, when you were wrestling. And then something like the pandemic happens, and you're like, wow, like this sucks. But you know what? I've been training for this. So the old saying goes like focus on what you can control and disregard anything that you can't actually comes into play. And it's almost like a penny drops because you're like, ah, I can't control that. I can't control that. I'm not going to focus on it. I'm going to focus on what I can control. And is that what you're talking about when you mentioned like people in the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. And have you ever heard, have you ever heard somebody say like they wake up, they're at rock bottom and then they say, oh man, how on earth? earth did I get here right because hitting rock bottom doesn't doesn't happen like this it, it's a slippery slope of small activities over a long period of time that happens well let's flip that script here for a second if you do little tiny difficult things over a long time then when the pandemic hits and you and you handle it like a total champ you you don't have to say oh how did I get here 
in a positive way because we know we've intentionally done it over time. And so I, I love that analogy of just be like, I've hit rock bottom. How did I get here? It's the same way with success as I've done the, I've done the, the minutia, the, the little tiny, annoying, small, basic details over and over and over again to where I want to take a dull stick and poke it in my eye, but I've, I've mastered it. And now I'm at the mountaintop of success going, I know exactly how I got here. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of people these days. And, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, talk rubbish about younger people because there's amazing, um, like, you know, people in their sort of 20s or anything because there are some phenomenal um, people in their 20s. But a lot of people sort of feel like they want to get to the top of the mountain as quick as possible. And they don't really care how they get there. They just want to get on top of the mountain. They just want to have all these followers and they want to have the money. They want to have the car. They want to have all of this. But I think a lot of people and the most important thing I think is understanding to, to the most part of how you got there so you can replicate it because if something happens out of your control to get knocked off the top of the mountain, then you can recreate how you got there. But if you just got yes. there by chance or you got there by trying to figure out where the back door is, it's not sustainable. It's not replicable. So if something does happen out of your control, you are able to replicate that. Um, and I think that's a very powerful tool to have. Yeah. I hear a lot of people that have been successful in life and, and they, they end up losing everything and they're like, oh, well, that's not a big deal. I know how to do it again. I'll just, I'll just replicate what I did. But if you fast track your way to a, a lucky mountaintop and then something happens, because life is about ebb and flows. Everything's, everything's not going to be amazing all the time. And, and during those, those, those downs, um, I can weather them really fine because I know I can handle this. I'm going to have to make some adjustments, but I've done it before. And I'm taking from that knowledge and experience to, to now implement now to, to have that success that I need. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's extremely important. And if people are sort of listening now and going, what are they talking about? They're not even talking about <laughs> sport or anything. We can, we can translate this hundred percent into training. You know, we can translate this into racing. This is, we're talking about life generally right now, but at the same time as you can take this into your training, because if you run a PB for an event, whatever it is, and you just sort of did it on a whim, just sort of, I ran some days, I did this some days, you didn't really have a plan. You go, well, I smashed a PB, fantastic. And then someone says, well, how did you do that? You don't really know. But if you yeah. follow some sort of structure, you write training notes afterwards, you use an app like Training Peaks, or you just write a really intense um, diary with some, with some data or whatever, then when it's time to do it again, or when someone asks you, how do you do it? You can go back and say, hey, this is how I got to where I could be. So what we're talking about is not just sort of generalizing life. It can also be very specific to training, right? Yeah, and, and that's why you know, earlier when I said, I believe I could do 200 if, if somebody depends, because I know the process now, and now I, it would take a long time for me to get ready for that. Cause I want to ensure my success. Um, when I do these big challenges, I always want to try to get the best prepared as I can, because your result is always a direct reflection of your preparation. Um, and sometimes a little bit of chaos and things we can't control. Um, but, but, but really it can be real, it can be translated into everything. It can be business, it can be relationships, it can be sport, it can be anything because it's a roadmap. And all you do is plug in the, the key things you have to do and it can move into any category in life. And it's why I I have a I have a great family. Uh, I've got five great kids. I've got 
a great business. I've got a great uh, athletic career. And it's because I take the same formula and I'm seeing success in all those categories because it's the same formula. It, it, it's about creating a system for you to uh, implement and, and that always leads to success. 100%, 100%. I want to just touch on your alter ego, the, the Iron Cowboy. And yeah. I, I, I alluded to it uh, earlier about, you know, like we've done some running together up in Scotland during a race and at, like it was a tough race. It was an iron distance triathlon. They're always tough, but it wasn't quite uh, stretching you to the point where the Iron Cowboy had to came, come out. And, and if people don't quite understand what I mean, it's like, you know, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the, the Iron Cowboy comes out when it's like, okay, like we need to really focus. It's, it's starting to get tough now. We need to really make sure that we are perfect in every moment. It's time to sort of get that alter ego on the Iron Cowboy. Is that, is that fair to say that's how you get into that, that alter ego? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's anyone that's, that's been with me on the entire journey. There's, there's James Lawrence and then there's the Iron Cowboy. And Iron Cowboy doesn't have to come up very often, <laughs> but, but when he does, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's another level. And, and I call it the concept of putting on your uniform. Mm. And it's, it's like MMA fighters or boxers put on their gloves. And when you put on your gloves, you're instantly 40% tougher than, than when you didn't have them on. And, and, you know, Spider-Man puts on his mask and Superman has a cape and all these things. And they change into something different when they do that. And for me, always on the final race day or the last day of a big challenge, I put on yellow sunglasses and they're my, my really bright, bright fluorescent yellow glasses. And that that's when I fully transformed and I go inward and, and there, there's no excuses. There's no entitlement. And there's, uh, there's only, it's only results get uh, driven, but there's always that ethos that keeps you honest and integrous, right? Cause you never want to cross those lines where you're hurting anybody or doing anything unethical or, or things like that. So I, I have that line that I won't cross, but as far as like the no quit mentality and, and it's, it's not over until you cross the finish line and all that, that's when the iron cowboy comes out and he has this ability to, like really become present, like the, the greatest flow state you've ever experienced in that moment. There's some crazy footage that I recently saw from when we filmed the documentary. Um, the, the ankle injury quickly went up into my shin that caused a stress fracture. And I was just waiting for the moment my leg was gonna break. And there's crazy footage where I have gone kind of inward and I do this weird thing with, with my hand and I was tapping each finger individually. And it was just this, I didn't know I was doing it until I saw the footage and it was this weird uh, coping mechanism that I had. Um, and it was just a process that I was going through that worked for me um, to kind of have an out of body experience. Um, and, and here's what's cool is you can't, you can't have this alter ego. You can't have this switch um, if you've never practiced it or trained it and, and whatnot. And, and early, early in this conversation, we talked about when you're in the middle of doing something, it's the hardest thing ever because you're pushing a boundary that you've never, that you've never hit before. Because when I was doing, I mean, the really, the first really big challenge that we did after doing a lot of racing, after doing one Ironman, um, I went and I broke the world record for the most half Ironmans ever done in a calendar year, all official events. And when I was doing it, it was so crazy impossible. I look back on it and it's laughable for me 
it's obviously a big accomplishment for many. I'm not comparing myself to anybody else. I'm saying on my journey, the trajectory that I've been on, where I'm sitting today, that world record is laughable. But at one point in time, it wasn't laughable to me. It was actually very, very hard and very challenging. But that, but that's the whole point is, is you, you can't go from zero to 100. And, and it takes that, that, that shift to be able to flip to one to that alter ego that we're talking about. And, and I, I didn't know how to do it early on. It was just figuring out those, those moments. And, and it's because I started at the very beginning and I went through that journey. You know, we talked a real, uh, a couple moments ago about um, people rushing to the goal, to the destination. And, and by rushing, they missed that experience, that knowledge of how to flip that switch, how to really achieve that greatness, that flow state. And if, and if, and I'm, I'm really good at it, but if I had um, a regret looking back on my career that has been I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years now, um, it's that I didn't slow down enough to enjoy every single moment and feel everything along that journey. I could have learned a lot more. I could have created more meaningful relationships. I could have um, created more deep and rich experiences, but I, but I was so busy trying to rush to the, the finish line of the said challenge and whatnot. I didn't, I didn't truly take in the experience. And, and that's one of the regrets that I have. And, and I know I'm the old guy at the table. I'm 46 next month. And, and I've done a lot of things. And anybody, if you're young and listening to this, you're like, ah, what do you know? And, and I'm learning that wisdom from people that have more experience than you is invaluable. And to, to maybe slow down and heed some of the guidance or counsel that you're hearing. And I'm, I'm still doing it with people that are further on their journeys than I am. I mean, this world is full, is filled and full of people beginning, middle and end of their journeys. And, and I think I think the term respect your elders is, is very appropriate. And I, I have to show respect to the people that have more experience than me that have carved different paths than me. They, they have knowledge from experience and I'd be foolish not to at least heed some of that information that I'm hearing and, and take it in. And so if you're listening and if there's, there's one thing that I wish that I would have done on my journey that I think everybody on a journey should do is to, to slow down. Um, I actually miss miss the days where I was grinding and hustling and it was super hard and super difficult. I now miss those moments and days. And so uh, that, 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 that's my, a little bit of advice that I have for anybody that's younger, that's listening, that's maybe at the beginning of their journey is to slow down and, and take in your surroundings, feel the good, feel the bad, experience it all, because you're going to get to a point where um, you will realize that it's not the finish line. It's not the destination that has any value. It's how you navigated the process and got to that moment. So from a real, because I want to make sure that um, I understand what you mean, but I want to make sure that our listeners truly understand what you mean from a, from a day-to-day sort of a practical perspective of slowing down to, to enjoy the moments and experiences, whether someone's listening to this, who's trying to build a business, a, a YouTube channel, a following, do big extreme challenges or whatever it is. When you say you wish you'd slowed down to have those connections to enjoy the grittiness of each moment, like, can you give some examples of what does that actually mean from a practical perspective, from a day-to-day living and trying to achieve these things for listeners who are not maybe quite clear of what you mean? 
Yeah. So yesterday would be a perfect example. Um, I have, I, I'm lined up for surgery tomorrow. I have four podcasts to do today. I have a, a, a presentation to do tonight. We're launching a 60 day triathlon challenge competition in five days. Um, we're writing our second book. We're editing the second documentary. We are just signed the rights to do a feature film on our story. Um, I have athletes I'm training. I have to train myself. I have a very, very full plate. And, and yesterday, um, I was feeling overwhelmed. I was feeling completely riddled with my, my to-do list is too big. I cannot do this. And I had to take a step back and I took a day off and I took my kids and we went up to the ski hill and we had an amazing day in the powder and we just escaped and I didn't look at my phone. I didn't do anything. And I just had a total mind and body reset. And someone would say, um, wow, you, you, you didn't, you didn't make any advances or progress on your business, on the things that you're doing. And I'll challenge that and say, I made more progress because I showed up today with, with a new sense of uh, purpose. Uh, I've recovered. I've filled that, that other cup. And so, so that's what I mean by, by slowing down. Trust me, the, the task list is going to be alive and well tomorrow. And it's, it's still, it's still going to be there. And you, it's impossible to, to, to crush every single item on your task list. And if you're trying to do that every single day, you're going to fail anyways, because you got to narrow it down to the one thing, but sometimes it's super important to take one step back to pause, um, to reset, um, and, and then pick up where you left off. And I think most people are just like, I got to get up at 4am. I got to crush today. I got to, I'm going to no naps. I'm going to do two hours of sleep. And I'm like, dude, you're, you're eventually going to snap. And then you're going to have to take two weeks off because you had a mental breakdown. And now you're further back than had you just taken some time in between to reset mentally and physically and emotionally and connect with those around you. And I mean, I had some very meaningful conversations on the chairlift with, with friends and family yesterday that, that I wouldn't have experienced had I been like diving in behind my keyboard and, and, and trying to get down and write two more paragraphs on our book and i'm just like what for what it, the book is going to be there we're ready to be waiting to be written tomorrow yeah i think that's a a great example but also people can really grasp that uh what you meant by that and, and i think it's a very powerful thing to do in the, in this modern world especially people who live in in uh in western countries let's say let's be honest who are always about We've got to do this now because, you know, we've got to keep moving forward, move, moving forward. And whether it's in life, whether it's in business, whether it's personal life, or even whether you're training, you know, sometimes like you know, pro athletes, a slightly different scenario, but not really to a degree. But we've got life stress, we've got family stress, we've got commitments, and we're trying to train at the same time to do whatever your version of your race is. And sometimes we're just tired and sometimes we feel overwhelmed. And you know what? It's okay to have a day. Uh, but I think what we need to be clear on and, and i no doubt that you agree with me here is if we are going to have a day then then have a day for yourself have a day with your community have a day with your family so as you said you fill up that other cup that family cup that community cup that uh, that cup away from what's draining you from the other side so i think that was a, a great story to end on mate I, I want to be mindful of your time because i know you're a busy man and uh, I also want to make sure that people know that, yes, you talked about your second book and your second documentary. We already have one book out for uh, Redefining Impossible. 
I, I have read that book. I definitely give it a, a, a two thumbs up because I've only got two thumbs. That's all I can give. And the 50-50-50 documentary, which I believe now is on Amazon Prime. Yep. Correct. Yep. And can we have any sort of uh, clue as to when the next documentary and book is going to come out? Yes, we are. We are still hopeful. Um, it's a huge process, right? We have a ton of footage that we're going through. You know this. You've done this, some some documentaries yourself. Uh, but it's just a, a, the post-production is, is intense. It's a time-consuming. And we have a quarter of a year of footage and a storyline to create. Um, so we, we're, we're highly hopeful that it'll be, both will be released at the end of this year. Um, that, that's our goal, to hit some of the film festivals and, and, and do um, some speaking tours still around it. And, um, and then the, the best place to find out anything that we're doing is on our website, ironcowboy.com. And then through our social media, I'm very active on Instagram and it's Iron Cowboy James. That's it. Go check him out. And also there is a, there's an app out there as well that, uh, that you have and also some uh, coaching services on Iron Cowboy James as well. If you want to do 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathons, ultras and uh, triathlons as well. Definitely go and um, even just go and have a look at the bit of a resource um, at ironcowboy.com as well. Uh, James, I want to say a massive thank you to you, buddy. And for all the listeners out there of the Luke's Let Out podcast, once again, thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember to like, subscribe, share it with your friends, and I'll speak with you next time. Thank you.